Hi, everybody. Welcome to another Pro Report interview podcast. Our guest today is the keyboardist and one of the key songwriters for the band Gaspacho from Norway. They recently released a brand new album called Soyuz, which is incredible. Please welcome Mr. Thomas Anderson. Hello, Mr. Roy. Hey, how you doing? Oh, fine and then actually I'm a little nervous now because I just googled your name uh-huh and I found that you've written a book on on the most important progressive <laughs> albums of the last 50 years and you're a writer now yeah uh, well barely it was uh, my my first uh, my first try at writing so thank you for taking a few minutes man I I've been a uh, big fan of the band for a while now and uh, I don't know why we haven't spoken. I don't know why we haven't had a set up an interview in all this time. But so, uh, where are you now? You are you in Norway or where? Where are we doing yeah, the call? I'm in my house. You know what I'm always curious about with the band that's that's putting out a new album. I know that you guys record it months ago. It's finished. You give it to the label, and the label now is doing their all their marketing stuff and and putting the things out there and setting up these interviews. What are you now doing for these months? before the album's out and people get to hear it? Right now, I am rehearsing. For the for the shows? For the shows. So this is my little setup, which I've got in my little shed, which you're in now, as yeah. you can see. And we're rehearsing, and at the same time, trying to get to terms with, I think, trying to understand the album. Because when, when we get to the interview parts, is really when we have to dissect it, I suppose where when we make it, we always try to 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 be critical, yet not too critical of the album, because it's because you never know if it's good or bad. I've learned over the years that only after three years can I finally listen to it the way I would listen to any other piece of music. Right. Because, because we've been working on them, mixing them, redoing lyrics. Many of the parts, which, which turn out to be the audience's favorites, might be the bits where we felt the demo was better. You know, there's there's so many changes that go on in the album, so so getting to know the actual album and getting into what it really was about is is sort of a is is the stage that we're in now. And we always regret many things when we start playing it live. We always come up with new ideas that we wish we right, could have right, right. included and you know, all albums are always work in progress. And I'm sure you hear that from any band you speak to. And, you know, if you gave me a thousand years, I could definitely work on it for a thousand years. Right. And and this is why we have deadlines or else we would never be done. Right. So does the, the, the label, your case scope, which is the label you're on, do they come to you and say, all right, we need, you know, we need this by, you know, May. You got to, it's got to be done. Yeah, they do. They, they needed the album by Christmas or New Year's Eve this year because they needed to be able to release it also in, in, physical, actual al- vinyl albums and CDs yeah. to the various distributors that they have. So if we wanted the album out by the time we tour, and which is on Tuesday, oh. next Tuesday we go on tour, then they needed it by Christmas, which turned out to be late January as usual. Right. <laughs> so... After uh, you, you have to know the album now and listen to it right now to uh, to learn the songs and, and that. But once, let's say the tour is done, do you ever go back and listen to the albums? Do you, or or is it like most artists, they they never check it out again? I can't come back to them because I'm so scared that I'll hear mistakes or hear something which I think is 
embarrassing or cringeworthy that I always wait two or three years after the albums are released before I go back and listen to them. So I, I'm sort of one album behind everyone else because I just started listening to the Moloch album, <laughs> which was our last studio album. Right. And I remember thinking that I wasn't too sure about it when we released it. When I heard it again now, I thought it was fantastic. So I listened to Old Gaspacho with great pleasure and regret all the things I would have done differently today. When it comes to Soyuz, then I still haven't given it a spin apart from listening to my rehearsal right. versions of it. You know, a funny story happened to me when I, uh, I you know, I regularly post updates on the band on, on the Park Report website. And uh, somebody, I guess, saw it somehow online and replied to me, I see you've posted an article about gazpacho. We have a great recipe for that if you want to share it. And they sent me the recipe with some food website or something, which is completely insane and never happened before. But, but Which begs the question, where did the band name come from? And, and is it, in fact, just as random as someone had the soup and you had the idea for that? No, no. The <laughs> truth is that it came from two things. It came from, we were, we still are huge Merlion fans. And when we were playing around the studio making some songs 20 years ago, the lyrics for a, because this was back when, that was 20 years ago, was back when you like, you, you downloaded a cool screensaver. Yeah, right. Those Can you sure. remember that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and I downloaded one, which was, a screensaver for the Marillion Afraid of Sunlight album, which has a song which is called Gaspacho. And the song is about, there. there's a line in the song about someone beating his wife in, in, in Hollywood. And then it says, the stains on her Versace scarf, were they really just Gaspacho? So that line came across and then we, we thought, well, if we're going to have, if we're going to be a band, we're going to need a name. And we, we were very scared of, and, and that's just going to, this is going to, you're going to think this is weird, but we were really scared of coming across as pompous. Mm -hmm. You know, there are certain prog bands that to the general public might be seen a little over the top. Right, right, right. And I thought if the band was called Monument or was called something like that, it would, I think it would take something away from the music because we always, because, because the music was so serious and so thought out and it always has been, we wanted a band name that still show that we're still likable regular guys that that you can I mean if you can come by you can come visit me I live here and <laughs> no you know I don't have security guards it's I'm a regular guy just like you so we wanted to to just say that a band name is sort of a it's a bit of a joke but 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 it's also supposed to say that it's regular guys gotcha. with a sense of humor but still making music that they take seriously and you can choose what level you take it seriously or not, or listen to it or not. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's a great idea. I, I, and it, for what it's worth, it looks cool when you write it, it out. So it has that going for it too, which which works, right? Uh, so each album has some kind of theme, uh, maybe not co like concept albums, but but the music seems to really tie in, and it has sort of the the subject matter ties in together. So. What, you know, where do those ideas come from each time, and and what is Soyuz? What's the theme behind that for you? Where'd that come from? Well, I'll, I'll start with answering the first question, was where the stuff comes from. And, and this, all of the stories and the concepts come from the fact that we always make the music first. So we'll meet at my summer house, which is 10 minutes drive that way. And then we will 
jam around and fiddle about with just musical ideas. And then our singer, Jan Enrich, will come in and just record any melodic idea that he has using, you know, mind, words that come to his mind or right. a newspaper or a book or a book of poems or whatever. And then once we've done that, then we listen to the demos and the ones we like, we keep and work on. And then we listen to them and try to figure out what could this be about. So we're, we're it's sort of, it, you know, if you were, if you... If you were mystic, you would say that the the concepts are already in the music, and we just pull them out. But I don't think that's true. But I think a lot of the stuff will be in the subconscious, and the music will awaken something. And once you have an idea, you can build on that over the year you're working on the album. Yeah. And when it comes to Soyuz, then that started out with us in the summer house, and we saw a, a white sail on a blue background. It was very much. It was a very beautiful image and a beautiful thing to see because we have a great view over the Oslo Fjord. But at the same time, there was a Hopper, Edward Hopper feel to that too. If you know the painter Edward Hopper. Sure. And I don't know what, what it is with Hopper pictures and why they are sort of creepy. And I don't know what it was about that beautiful summer day that made that white sail on the blue background creepy. But I always think there's something, it's about death. Somehow, death is in there somewhere. Definitely in all the hopper picks, but also I think in seeing a beautiful, like the summer day, which I showed you now, which you, it's a great summer day, and death is in there somewhere because death is the one that was going to take all that away from you. And and that's why we thought, well, if if you can't hang on to any of these moments because both you and me are stuck on this sort of timeline that continues you know i tend to find that the best moments ever are not the, those big moments where you win the lottery not that i've won the lottery but but the best moments to me are usually you know when the sunlight comes into the kitchen table and I'm having a coffee by myself those to me are the best moments in life they're not the big successes and they're not the great romantic scenes and they're not right you know most of the big moments are kind of destroyed by the fact that they're a big moment I'll bet you if you won the Oscars or whatever, you know, or or got the Nobel Prize for your book, <laughs> when you were when you were at the ceremony receiving your award, you would hate that situation because you'd be nervous. You wouldn't know quite what to say. The TV cameras are looking at you. You'd hate the whole thing. Right. It's not the it's not the same as when you were first holding the book in your hand, like something you you finished, which that can sometimes be be more rewarding. Definitely. I get what you're saying. So the death uh, uh, sort of um, uh, thinking about death and and how that affects everything, that seems maybe to be a common theme in a lot of the albums, right? And, and um, with sort of dark elements and, and the album like Demon or even Moloch has like destruction of the world. Is that something that you always go back to a little bit? Um, well, it's not the world. It's the actual universe. Universe. That's right. <laughs> that's right. And any parallel universes as well. Right. So, you know, when, when we went for gold, we went for gold. <laughs> but, but when uh, that's a great question, which I'll get back to. You, but just going to finish the thing with Soyuz is that Soyuz then, because of these losses, which I was sort of which we were discussing. Right. Then Soyuz is about a guy who manages to jump off time and live in a frozen moment. 
So this makes him a little bit like an astronaut, but he's not in orbit around Earth. He's in orbit around time. And that's where Mr. Komarov, the, the Soyuz cosmonaut, comes into the picture. Right. Because our main character who manages to escape time sees himself and identifies with Komarov because the moment Komarov, and, he, and Mr. Komarov, the cosmonaut, knew that the spaceship was going to fall apart upon re-entry. So he knew he was dead the moment he returned, just like our main character knew he would be dead once he returns to a normal timeline, or he will perish within his frozen moment. So the album is a lot of short stories about this guy and other people who are stuck in frozen moments, mm -hmm. where one of, one of the songs is called The Sky Burial, which is a, another true story which I heard on the radio a shit long time ago. It stuck with me. It was an English couple who lost their son. Their son was hiking in the Himalayas. Before This was before the time of cell phones. This was back in the 80s. Right. And he was lost hiking. And they stayed home because they were expecting a phone call from the Indian police. This was in the Indian part of the Himalayas. And because communication with the Indian police can be, might be difficult on a landline with no internet from the UK in the 80s to some remote village they stayed at home so so on Saturday night when they went out when they were going to go out for dinner wife would go first to the Chinese restaurant have a meal she would come back home and then the husband would go have his meal then he would come back home so the phone would always be manned and of course they never heard back from anyone right. of course but they kept the, the guy's room, they kept it the way it was exactly the moment he left. They were completely frozen in time, as was their son, who I suppose is probably lost somewhere up on that mountain, or whatever happened to him. Wow. So so there's, there's stories like that which are sort of in there. All of the stories are in there, and, and they should all come, come out if you invest enough time in listening to the album. Yeah. And when it comes to and I thought about this the other day because we don't write about love in, in, in the usual sense, which I think a lot of bands really do. And, and we don't really write about politics because I think politics should not mix with music because as a musician, I don't feel I'm in a position to tell you anything at all about politics. I think politics are a, a different question which, which should be kept separate from religion. I don't feel I have any more say than you do, and I certainly shouldn't spend your time waxing on about whatever political views I might have at the moment, right. because I'm not in that position, I don't think. Sure. And all of the albums, I guess, would probably come back to being about time in some way, except for Demon, which is about evil, because time is the one resource which we're running out of. You can always make more money. And you could always have more women and more food and more beer, whatever it is you're into. But time is, is the hourglass, which is just always running out. As, or as I like to say, the, the meter is always running. <laughs> there, uh, now you can try to relax. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> quick question, but and then I want to dive into some of the songs really, really quick a little bit. Is it a challenge to always look at the music in, in such a deep kind of way? Or it, it that's just the band's nature, and it's sort of natural for you guys. It's easy. That that's how it falls into place. 
Well, well my, my day job is making jingles and music for radio commercials. And is it really? <laughs> so I make a lot of music in, in all styles of music. I can make country western music for a country ad, and I'll make pop music and dance music and techno music and, and those ukulele happy tunes that you always get okay. for the big bands. So I make them all the time. And gazpacho is, is and because because of that, which which sort of given me, I suppose, a, an approach to music where I think music has in some ways become cheap, and the fact that there are twenty thousand albums released every day on Spotify, right? Then we've made it a point to not release anything which isn't about something, and our goal is also that anything we make sh- should could not have been made by any other band. And that means that because of the sheer amount of music coming out, I mean, even if you had a live feed going into your brain, you still wouldn't be able to hear the music released today. You don't have enough time left in your life to listen to the music released on this particular I, I barely have enough time to listen to what I want to listen to. It, well, exactly. So we want a Gispatcher album to be something where, a lot like a novel, where it's a huge, we're asking a huge investment because the tunes are complicated, takes a long time to get into them. You don't know if you're going to get into them, which means you're sort of taking a risk by spending, you know, two or three hours listening to the album two or three times. Right. And you're risking very, very valuable time. So we want them to be weird enough and special enough that even if you don't like them or don't think they're catchy or they don't interest you, you should, they should at least keep you mildly entertained just by the sheer weirdness of the sound of them as you listen to it. Yeah. So, and the same applies to all the deep thoughts and all the all the thoughts that go into them are supposed to, first of all, it makes it more fun for us to make them, but, but they're also taking listeners seriously because I think people are not definitely not as stupid as we think when we make advertising music. Definitely not. And, and judging by all the people I meet on tour, a lot of the listeners to, I, I guess, progressive rock in general, I would have to say that, are probably a little smarter than most other genres. I, I don't think that's far. I mean, the, the, certainly the the emails I get from fans and things like that, it's, you're, you're you know, very picky about specifics and and, uh, and know, their, know their music, so for sure. Uh, I know, well, I bet you get that from your fans, for sure. Yeah, and, and they're not idiots, and I, I bet you a lot of them would be shitload smarter than me, IQ-wise, no doubt about that whatsoever. <laughs> and that also means that by because they give us the respect of listening to this stuff, we return the respect by spending a lot of time making sure that this just isn't empty calories for the mind, that this is packed with content. Yeah. Whether you like the content or not, that's your business. But we make sure it's packed enough so if you Google, if you listen to, to, to Soyuz and Google some of the names in there, then you should be able to go off on new adventures with the album. Like on Moloch, then we mentioned, uh, or we, we talked about that, code that can destroy the universe. And that was an actual code made by, by real physicists, quantum physicists, where they actually said that if the conditions which which we specified apply, that would actually create 
the heat death of the universe in real life. Well, that I mean, the minute you found that out, you had to have thought to yourself, well, that's a great, we got to use this for the album. This is too good, right? I mean, it's too oh, perfect. <laughs> it is too I mean, I was, that was in the shower, and that's when I had the idea because I've been reading up on quantum physics, and I learned that when you observe an electron, I think it's an electron, but bear with me. Yeah. They move, so they can be in either spot A or spot B, and at all times will be in both places until you measure where it is. And because you're measuring it, then magically it stops in either A or B. And if you measured all the electrons in the universe at the exact same time, they would all be frozen that particular instant you measured them, and that would freeze the universe because the forces holding the atoms together would fall apart. <laughs> that is wild stuff, man. Yeah, very, that is. Very cool. So, folks. Uh, <laughs> um, the the first time I heard the the new album, right away the song that just blew me away and and sounded to me nothing like you had done uh, before was hypomania. Um, I don't know. That's very sort of four, four more, you know, straight, straightforward beat, but the production, the, the chorus is, is just massive. Tell me about that song. Cause that, I keep going back to that one. I think that's just amazing. Well, hypomania, hypomania is the name for the state a manic depressive is in when he's in the manic state. So, and a manic depressive or a bipolar, I think they're called in the States. I, I never sort of figured that out. So a hypomanic, that's when you run off to Las Vegas and you lose all your cash gambling and then you buy a new car and crash it and just walk home. And and the song is about, again, because the album's about being frozen in time, this is about a guy who realizes that the woman that he's with is a construction of his own. Her personality is something he has constructed in throes of early love, and that he's in love with a frozen image that lives only in his mind, and that the actual real woman, not the mental image woman, but the actual meat and blood woman, is nothing like the person that he's in love with. So, in a, and he realizes this in one of his hypomanic states. Okay. And he goes out drinking and gives her a phone call and just says, I'm changing and we're done because I'm not in love with you. I'm in love with my own creation. Which you could say, if you wanted to go really deep about this, you could say that could be about God too, couldn't it? Because sure. maybe he created man in, in an image, but then we may not be what he thought he had. So, but, but the reason why it's such a 4-4 four, four, straightforward tune is because it's supposed to be the sort of halfway crazy guy running out on the town, drinking, calling his wife in the middle of the night, crashing their car, picking up their stuff, and he's just leaving his old life behind because he will always carry the image of the girl because he has it in his head, and which is the only place where she really exists so he doesn't need the meat and bones woman anymore wow that's awesome um yeah that's an amazing song um as is the album but uh, one thing i noticed also recurring and i want to ask you about this uh is this piano 
sound that you use throughout a lot of the albums that sort of repeats. I think that's the most defining thing of your music is that it's almost like a toy piano or something. I don't know what that is. But what is that sound and why do you go back to that a lot? Is it, Does that... It's weird because it doesn't... You wouldn't think that it would be evil sounding and sinister sounding, but it is the most evil sounding piano I've ever heard. Well, it is the typical horror film sort of sound. Really. Yeah. It's, it's one of these upright, old upright pianos that you'd find like at your grandma's house in the attic. Uh, and it's mixed with the Celeste, which is a glockenspiel-like instrument that you play. Yeah, that, that's exactly, yeah. So I mix them both, and and they're all they're both well known from horror films. It's almost a horror cliche, but I try to mix them with, with beautiful melodies and sort of very longing, melancholic, slow tunes. And I think I do that because there there's a certain feel to that sound which removes it from the classical piano, because classical piano has a beauty to it that. I think might make the sound of the albums a little too sugary, too Disney-ish mm-hmm. for what we need. So at the risk of sounding like a cliche sort of 60s Halloween horror movie, theremin sort of you know soundtrack, you know, uh, revenge from outer space soundtrack kind of thing, then and I it's I suppose it's 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 there because I need something very very distinct clear and melodic, and yet I can't use the grand piano with its rich, yeah. woody texture. No, it makes sense, because it's the perfect fit sound, and it, it's just in perfect moments, in between, you know, pauses and things, all of a sudden that piano comes in, and it it's absolutely the, to me, it's the gazpacho sound, I mean, along with along with uh, a, a lot of other things, but that always sticks out for me as, as just really, really cool. Um so you guys are also doing uh, the cruise to the edge. Is that the first time you've been to the states? Would that be? Because uh, I I don't know that when you've played here before. We went to Rosfest. I think it was called in Pennsylvania. Yeah. Back uh, five years ago. Oh, okay. Like that. And then uh, that was fun. But we never came back to the states after that. So this will be okay. the second sort of official dispatcho trip to the states and. And when we heard about the Cruise to the Edge and we were asked to play, we thought, well, of course we're going to play Cruise to the Edge. What, a free cruise? Who's right. not going to be on a free cruise? It's a great time. It is. It's a blast. I've been on the last few. And um, uh, so, yeah, I hope to see you guys again. I think I'm, I'm going to be on the next one. So, oh, excellent. Uh, you have yeah. to have it on that one. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. I heard, but also when we were asked, I heard that Getty Lee was coming. But I never saw any that mentioned anywhere else after that. Because I <laughs> want to meet Getty Lee. I'm a huge, that's, huge Russian. That is, uh, well, of course. Uh, that's news to me. I don't know. Maybe we can start a big rumor here and on this interview and get him on the ship or something. You know, if you say it, if you put it out there, make it happen. Yeah, uh, I mean, it's not that's, that's Getty, news. That's news to you me. You have to come to the cruise. <laughs> that's All right. here is on me. So uh, if I do see you on the cruise, what 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 kind of stuff are you guys going to be playing live? Is it, you know, have you started thinking about set lists? Is it a lot of the new album? We put, It's probably going to be a mix because, first of all, the sets aren't that long. <clears throat> when we're going on tour now, we're going to be playing a three-hour set wow. with a half-hour break in the middle. 
because we're told we need to have a break so the venue can sell beer. Sure. But uh, we're playing lots of the new album, and we're playing sort of, uh, on our tour now, we're playing also a lot of tunes that we haven't played live over the years that are personal favorites of ours. When it comes to Cruise to the Edge, I suppose we're, we'll probably be playing a lot of the big songs, which are the songs that we know will go down well and we know are considered sort of gazpacho. I suppose you could call them classics now since we're so old. But we're, we'll probably be playing a lot of the tunes that the European fans that are used to seeing us would, would think are played a little bit to death in Europe. But we'll play them on the cruise because it'll be the first time for a lot of the Americans that are there, Canadians. Yeah, yeah. first time for so, me too, so yeah. We Dream of Stone and a lot of stuff from TikTok and a lot of the sort of classic despacho I think well I suppose you could call them classics right and hypomania throw that in there hypomania uh, <laughs> all right cool well Thomas thank you this was a lot of fun and this it, perhaps the deepest uh, prog interview we've we've done on the on the website and on the podcast so uh, a pleasure to speak with you and and, uh, and see your, your nice beautiful uh, shed and house and uh, go enjoy that yeah, and you and you were at noon, were you? Yep. Well, all right, thanks for having me. And then I'll be signing off, and I'll see you on Cruise to the Edge then. Absolutely, man. Thank you so much. All right, thank you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Thanks to Thomas for the interview. We're going to close with the track off the new album Soyuz by Gaspacho. This is Hypomania. You can catch the band on tour in Europe right now and on Cruise to the Edge in Tampa, Florida early next year. For more upcoming news and interviews, please check thepogreport.com, follow us on Facebook, at The Park Report on Twitter, on YouTube, and the podcasts are available on iTunes and Google Play. Thank you.